Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Loveline is meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Loveline with Dr. Chris starts. Three, two, one. Now. Okay, happy Monday, everybody. Hope you got through the weekend. Um, lots of protesting going on still. Beautiful thing. I know here in LA and West Hollywood, every day there was multiple protests. It was really, really, really stunning to see so many people, especially white allies, out there really uh, using their time, energy, and different levels of privilege to really try to hold space and advocate for need to change and to support the concept and the movement that Black Lives Matter. Stunning to see. Also just wanted to, I guess, just send some empathy and support for those that based on conversations that are being had and different social media posts that are being made that feel as though they're being let down or disappointed by different people in their lives. And that's something that's going to happen, you know? Um, But right now when we're really looking at people's integrity and their heart, which is coming out via their politics, because again, we, we talk about how politics can't be separated from someone's psychology or emotional well-being from either end of perpetrator or victim or even witness where one can't have their mental health and their well-being detached from what identities they hold in this world and the different levels of discrimination and privilege and prejudice and biases that come along with that. Those are all intertwined. Just like someone's integrity and mental health is tied to the levels of prejudice, violence, and bias that they put out into the world and uphold and enact on other people. That that matters. We can't separate that out as though that is somehow separate where people say, well, I don't want to get into politics. Everything is political. There's nothing that isn't tied to politics. If you're talking to a human being, inherently, who's talking and who's being spoken to and who's listening is political. Is it a white person talking? Are they talking to a person of color? What are we talking about? Where are we? Are we in a safe space? I mean, that's kind of what came up when the Christopher Street West CSW who puts on LA and West Hollywood's gay pride parade, they decided that they were going to flip it and make it a Black Lives Matter event. And at first that was like resoundingly, it got a lot of support initially. People were thinking, well, what a phenomenal thing to do, right? Um, LGBTQIA people definitely in this country and around the world who are murdered for being gay and and have a lot of violence against them and continue to be, you know, oppressed on every level. They understand 
um, from a distal way, because again, being gay doesn't mean you can't still be racist or support racism. Being gay is about an identity that is a minority status, but doesn't mean that you can relate to or understand the deep-rooted history of something like racism, which exists. And if someone is gay and black or of color, that's two levels of minority identity that they have to encounter in the world, you know, homophobia and racism. So I did like the idea that the gay pride founders understood what Black Lives Matters is rooted in, you know, systemic and institutional and historical oppression and that any level of violence that exists perpetuates other levels of violence. And they thought, let's not use this time to essentially throw a gay party and let's make it about Black Lives Matter. Now, essentially that got called off because that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't getting support from the Black Lives Matter movement. They weren't involved. They weren't, you know, gone to to say what how's the best way to do this. And also people of color said, y'all want us to come into your white spaces where we've never felt safe or accepted, aka West Hollywood and the gay bar scene. So why don't you come to our neighborhoods? Like why yet again do we have to come to your spaces? And again, your spaces that we often don't feel welcomed in. And and I understand that as I walk through West Hollywood and I look at the gay bars, I look at the the race of the dancers, the go-go dancers. I look at the race and the body types that are put on the gay flyers and events and the billboards. And yeah, that's very exclusionary. It's now getting a little more diversified, but usually it's gym bodied and they're white, cis, white, upper class gym bodies. Starting to get a little more diverse, still really very much they're trapped in the monolithic body type and we need to expand outside of that. Um, and, you know, some of these apps, Grindr was the first one on the scene to say that they were going to take off the race filter to try to just remove that level of racism because sexual racism is real. And now a bunch of other apps have kind of followed suit. Um, Jacked, Scruff, they're removing the ethnicity filters because they're basically saying that, yeah, that can support racism. And some people are saying, well, unfortunately, I was using that as a way to opt out of having to engage with whiteness and white people. So when you remove the ethnicity filter, it means that I'm at the mercy of that. But I get that they're trying to stand in solidarity. And, you know, I love that the sex and dating apps are saying, look, we're everything's political. We're involved in this in some in some level. And let's try to be a part of change in, in any way that's possible. So I, I, I'm glad that they're doing that. Um, I think that that's a really powerful act of solidarity and that's going to make people feel more comfortable. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk about how parents can talk to their kids about race. And then later in the show, we got Jay Rodriguez joining us, the OG Queer Eye, to talk about, yep, you guessed it, all things race, being a person of color and queer in America. So many great little gems that come out of conversations with that guy. So stick around. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. This is Dr. Chris, and you're listening to Loveline. All right, we're back, and um, hope you're all man, just taking care of yourselves. <laughs> it's like the, the question I have on repeat with anyone I talk to, I'm like, how's your mental health? What kind of self-care are you engaging in? Because trying to help people really just tap into themselves in a better way, but also recognizing that trauma exists for the perpetrator, the victim, and also the witness. So everyone is experiencing some level of shift in their body. It's so important. I think seeing some of what the news is putting out there, showing the violence, hopefully it's building some empathy and understanding for some others. It's just eliciting more violence. So it's unfortunate, but just make sure you're giving yourself a phone and a news bedtime about an hour before you go to bed, power down, put those things away, let your brain settle, let it kind of shift into a different state because you don't want to go to bed really amped up and activated. It's then hard to sleep and stay asleep. It's also just about giving yourself breaks away. 
it's okay to distract yourself away from some of these things. Otherwise, you will burn yourself out uh, biologically and neurologically and psychologically, period. Everyone, no matter who they are, needs time away from triggering events. So check in with yourself. And if you're feeling really overwhelmed, it might be some kind of vicarious traumatization or empathy fatigue. So um, lean into the game. Let yourself be made uncomfortable. That's, again, where the change and the motivation um really comes from but um you know we don't want to traumatize or overwhelm ourselves to a point of mental health issue so parents talking to their kids about race listen all these conversations are clunky it's kind of the conversation of how do i talk to my kids about porn or about homosexuality you just do it but the first step is always educate yourself first get yourself comfortable and familiar with these topics and these concepts because we cannot communicate confidently to someone else if we ourselves don't have the right terminology and the right understanding. So take some time. I think everyone should anyway, but especially right now, and if you're definitely gonna talk to kids, you should definitely educate yourself, understand what you're about to talk about. Also know that it's gonna be more than a one-time conversation. Um, That comes up a lot with parents wanting to give the uh, sex talk. It's not a one-off. It's not your one big moment. You want to take any teachable moment, anytime anything comes up about race or diversity, jump on it, use it as a teaching moment. We're going to have to circle through this for the rest of our lives. It's really important to really train your kids to understand what racism looks like personally, interpersonally, and on larger institutional levels. So point it out when you see it um, and let them share their feelings about that. Now, beyond that, you also need to start letting your children get familiar with seeing diversity in all kinds, different kinds of body, body, different abilities, different gender expression, sexualities, and also races. So if you're looking around and your entire friend group is white, it's a problem. And you want to ask yourself, why is it that I don't have friends of color? Is it that I don't have access to them? Is it that I don't feel close to them? Is it that I've constructed my life in a way where I would never would encounter and bump into? Like check in on that. And what kind of shows are you watching? Are children only watching shows centered in straight cis whiteness? Because again, now is the time to just say, listen, we're going, we're going all in. We're going all social justice on this. We're going to live in truth and we're going to talk about what's happening. So use those moments because race can be brought up and definitely is woven into so many different things that happen um, in our culture. So like there are a lot of moments. Now also remember when we're dealing with children, track them, make sure that they're absorbing it. And children will let you know their body language and the questions they ask, where they're at, what they're interested in. And then when too much has been said. So it's bite-sized, right? So if they start looking away, playing with something, changing the conversation, all right, time to move forward, time to move on. You know, little, you're planting little seeds, but um, answer the questions they ask, honestly, and it's gonna be some hard truths and it might be really upsetting for them to hear, you know, what's really going on in the ways that our world is constructed. But as black parents and other parents with children of color have talked about, that's something they've been having to do since birth is talk about safety and um, the dangers of being a person of color in our, you know, racist culture. So that's real too. This is Dr. Chris, and you're listening to Loveline. All right, you were back. Hope you are watching my show, I'm Listening Live. It's now once a week on Thursday nights on alltheradio.com handles on Facebook, Twitter. What is it? Facebook, Twitter, maybe IG. I don't even know. Anyway, go check it out. All the back episodes. It's been a lot of great celebrities and experts talking about all things mental health and, of course, the pandemic and also Black Lives Matter. Check that out. And as always, you can check out old Loveline episodes on Radio.com and also We Are Channel Q. Keep it coming. And also your DMs. Yes. Send them to us. Any questions you have or comments in our Loveline IG DMs, or you can tweet them at us 
good old Loveline Twitter. Um, also, you can send questions about guests on the I'm Listening Live by tweeting with the hashtag I'm Listening. Um, all right, now we got to have the alcohol talk. Listen, <laughs> alcohol has been shown to have negative impacts on every system in the body. It's reported to be involved in 80% of domestic violences, and most violent crimes have alcohol related to it in some way. I forget what the percentages are, but it's in the 60 to 80% as well. So it's it's been shown to be a problem. And what's really hard is that our culture normalizes alcohol use. Um, it's part of everything we do. It's uh, after 5 p.m., time for a cocktail. Friends in town, time for a cocktail. It's a holiday, time for a cocktail. Birthday, cocktail. Rough day, cocktail. Happy day, cocktail. Um, you know, COVID cocktail, bored cocktail, sad cocktail. Everything's alcohol-based, problematic, and no one challenges that. And so the work is about denormalizing that, that there are so many other ways to have fun and there's other things to do to cope. And also let's work on learning to be more present to ourselves, events, people, and feelings. I, I gave up alcohol uh, for a multitude of reasons, and that's really a whole nother show. But what I want to root it in is I realized, and many people that get sober have talked about this, that if I need to drink to be present with someone or someplace, I'm not going. And when I realize I'm no longer having fun or comfortable, I leave. And if I need alcohol to be somewhere to be with someone, then I don't want to be there or have them around. I, I value deep intimacy and, and, and deep authenticity. I want to be with people that can handle that and tolerate that. Uh, I wasn't happy with the conversations and places and people I was around while drinking or or looking at the way I needed alcohol. Again, I'm all about people using whatever coping mechanisms they need. Alcohol definitely is not part of self-care. Self-care is things that lead us, lead us feeling better off, nourished, or at least neutral, and alcohol isn't that. Alcohol tends to amplify whatever feeling we're in. So if you're in a bad place feeling really not great about things, alcohol is gonna most likely amplify that, not the time to use. If you're feeling more in a positive celebratory mood, I'm more okay with it, because it will most likely amplify that. So the best, safest, most reasonable times to drink, psychologically speaking, would be when everything's great and you're feeling good and you're around people and situations that you feel comfortable and safe in. But if it's the opposite of that, um, if you're feeling insecure, unsafe, anxious, get out of there, wrong people, wrong place, or learn how to do it without the alcohol. Uh, but you know, tough times call for tough measures. So I do appreciate that as a coping mechanism, alcohol exists. And that for some people that right now is what they need to help them unwind because what's happening is larger than they feel like they have the capacity to deal with. And that's real and that's legitimate. Now, some parents think that the best place for their kids to drink is at home. And the problem with that is again, it's starting to normalize it's permission giving It's saying, yeah, you know, drinking's going to happen. No, it doesn't have to happen. <laughs> we want to start raising our, our culture and the people in it in one without alcohol. I remember gosh, this is like 15 years ago. Um, I wasn't drinking and I had a big event or party and there wasn't any alcohol because I wasn't a drinker and I wanted, I didn't want alcohol there. I didn't want it about the alcohol. And a couple people were like, they had a, I don't know what word you'd use because they had like a thing about it. They, they were disappointed. It was hard for them to imagine. And it was kind of like, yes, this event has no alcohol. Yeah. Be present learn how to be around others and socialize without it. That is very valuable. Now for those parents that drink around their kids, there's parents that'll say things like, well, I'm an adult or you are still modeling that adulthood is linked to drinking alcohol and it shouldn't. Alcohol shouldn't be for adults. Alcohol should be for use by people at some points in their lives for small moments. It shouldn't be such an integrated part of our culture and it shouldn't be linked to adulthood as though it's some stage of development or something to seek. But parents constantly drinking or training their children covertly and overtly in this is what you do when you have a bad day. This is what you do when things are rough versus having them see you model 
addressing things, handling things, a, a wealth of coping mechanisms. So look at what you're showing and the, and the relationship you have to alcohol and, and try to think what might I be communicating to my child in the way I use it? Because children are watching and it's not enough to just say, this is something you can't use till later. This is Dr. Chris and you're listening to Loveline. All right, we're back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world, and we want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris. So an old friend who is married and has a family is now reaching out to me. He must have seen my separation status on my Facebook. I really enjoy speaking with him, but I don't want to portray breaking up a home. I've been cheated on and I asked him to mention it to his wife. Is that fair to ask? I don't want to cause any problems and I don't have any feeling for him. He's just a good person to talk to. Well, first off, let me just applaud you on your integrity because I think a lot of people think that if they're a part of someone doing something harmful to another person, that as long as they're not directly doing the harm, that somehow they're not complicit in that harm. And people that are mentally healthy and have integrity, they consider the impact of all of their behavior. And it's it's a good sign that even though you are not directly involved, you, you would indirectly be. And again, I want us to all have care and compassion for how everything we do or say impacts the lives of others. And so I think that's really beautiful because I want people to be able to be friends with the gender they're attracted to. I think friends with your ex is also a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because again, if we're being healthy and we're with people that are worthy of trust and that we trust, then everyone can be friends with whoever they want and all is well, right? And so, yeah, I think it's really great that you asked, um, making sure he he can tell his wife. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it'd be a loving thing for you to say like, hey, I'm really glad to hear from you. I think that that's really great. I, I realize you're married. Is your, is your wife aware and okay with us chatting? Um, and then you've kind of done your diligence. I, I don't I don't like the idea that as adults, we need to ask our partner's permission because that's a really problematic relational style. And I'll be talking more about that because it's coming up a little bit more now uh, now and again. But um, as adults, we all get to decide what we do. And I want us to be in relationships with people of integrity so that we can always assume the best. And um, this is kind of an example of that. So I like that you're kind enough that you want him to ask his wife. There should be no reason that he could lovingly not share it. I don't want him to have to ask for permission though. Um, I don't like that idea. So that's kind of the takeaway. We shouldn't be in relationships where we need permission. We should be in relationships where we can be vulnerable and transparent and say things like, hey, uh, you know, interesting story. My old friend so-and-so reached out on DM. I haven't talked to her in forever. It was really great to hear from her. That should be how it's shared. Uh, transparently, um, although it's everything's well because it is. But I don't believe that people should need permission. If you're in a relationship where you have anxiety or fear of your partner, then we have work to do. If you're in a relationship where you need to get permission, then we have work to do because everyone should have equal amount of power. Everyone should get to decide what they want to do in their lives. We don't enter into marriages and relationships to have our lives confined or to have someone managing us or looking over our shoulder. Uh, we should be adults and we do what we do and people are welcomed into our lives as a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, and they get to participate in our life and we share things, but it shouldn't be a power dynamic. No one should need permission. Um, but I do like your thinking and that again, you're considering your impact on other people and you don't want to be complicit in something problematic happening. And, um, that could be something you talk to him about. And then what he gets to do with that and chooses kind of tells more about him and his relationship and his level of respect. But yeah, it's a really great question. I like questions like this because as simple as it sounds, there's so many different important threads and pieces to that. Cause again, there's a lot of people that believe 
we shouldn't have friends with the gender we're attracted to or friends with exes. And again, as we get into relationships, our lives should get bigger. More should be brought in. We should be meeting each other's friends. Our lives expand. We don't get into relationships to have them shrink down. And all of a sudden we don't have friends. We're not going out and doing things on our own. We're not seeing family members. Oh God, that's, that's like, that's toxic monogamy. That's a form of, you know, problematic relationality. So, um, yeah, let's not be like that. <laughs> all right. Uh, any DMS you guys have for us, you can always slide into the DMS on our Loveline IG page, or you can tweet them at us on our Loveline Twitter page. And as always, just kind of promoting it. Hope you're checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live and that's on, I believe, Thursday nights now at 5 p.m. Uh, what is that? 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can check that out in all the past episodes on all of the radio.com handles, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and also old shows of Loveline are all available on We Are Channel Q and also on radio.com. Hope you're all taking care of yourselves. Uh, Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex of world. We want you to explore it with confidence. We'll be back. This is Dr. Chris, and you're listening to Loveline. All right, we're back, and now we're with OG Queer Eye, Jay Rodriguez. Jay, what's going on? How was your weekend? You know, it is like Groundhog's Day some days, yep. but I got to tell you, um, it's, been quite, uh, it's been quite a week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, listen, it's been quite a week. And I know that when we first started talking, you know, I, I, at the beginning of this, we started talking about mental health as related to the beginning of the pandemic. And I was so panicked about how I would navigate the next couple steps in my life because I need to work. Like many Americans out there, you know, I'm a gig employee. I jump from job to job. And, and generally I can find resources and ways to provide for myself. But during a pandemic, all of that went away. And so I was really anxious at the beginning of all this, but I have to tell you what's given me great hope is I was a part of the protest last week, um, the peaceful protest that happened here in Los Angeles. I, I attended several of them and it was so profoundly moving to be a part of experience that was uh, collectively raising up our voices. And by the way, uh, this whole Black Lives Matter movement that has been around for years and shunned by some was so refreshing to see people from all walks of life, from all um, backgrounds, ethnicities, and age groups aligning their collective voice to speak out, not just against brutality, but the innate systemic racism that exists. And when you look around, you're like, thank God this is no longer just a people of color issue. Yeah, I mean, yes, beautifully, beautifully said, because me having out this weekend as well, I saw such a, such a, there's so much whiteness out there. And because a lot of my concern and what a lot of people are talking about is, you know, how much sustainability does this have? Because this right. first wave can't be it. It's creating some change and intervention, but we need things that are going to kind of push it forward and hold it. And so that's going to land on the diversity of people that are involved in the movement. And yeah, I mean, I, I did animal rights activism. I did environmental activism, women's rights. And I've never compared to these other movements ever seen something that had so much depth and was so extensive and had so many people just consistently centering it that I, I, I hold hope as well. And that's kind of given my own man some peace. I think, I don't know why it's so shocking and new, but so many um, of our black brothers and sisters and our, and our black queer fam have been expressing this injustice for as long as I've been alive. And now for some people, the light feels like it's, it's coming on in a way that's, uh, um, 
easier to process or digest. I don't know if that's social media. I don't know if it's finally that we needed a day and age to live in in which we had video evidence that was undeniable. Unfortunately, I think it's that. I think it's that. It's the video evidence and it's the social media because before before cell phones and the way we have them, how organizing was so difficult. Organizers would have to go put flyers around or go to coffee shops and have people reach out to bring people out. Now we have social media. So you post about an event, a protest, it hit, you know, fire, right? And then also we're able to document the injustices. They're they're getting caught. So how do you, you know, I know that for for a long time that we have always um, really tried to raise the kind of uh, social consciousness consciousness when we had issues that impacted not just the LGBTQ plus community, but, you know, many communities, whether it's a female rights or, or you name it. Now, how do we keep this going? While, while we have raised the, the flag, we've shot the fireworks into the air metaphorically and said, hey, here's the back call. We need some help on this issue. You know, it's like, I don't want it to go away. It's like the school shootings that would happen. They would be talked about for a little while, go away and then happen again. And I, I, I feel the organizers I've spoken to say they feel this time feels different, but how do we sustain that? Yeah. So, you know, again, protesting and, and, and organizing is so powerful, brings so much attention. It builds community. It's very empowering, but you know, part of how we're also going to keep this moving is to have different people with levels of privilege really creating the institutional systemic changes. So what does that look like? Well, it looks at white people continuing to care because we're the people that have traditionally been the gatekeepers that we've been blocking people out. But also it's going to take organizations looking around and saying, how many people of color work here? And if not many or any, why is that? Are we not safe to be employing them? Are we not out there in positions where they can find us? Um, are there people in positions of power that are black and of color, or is it just white people? Like that is what's going to create this shift. Yeah. And you know, I remember a lot of people who are, you know, I, the little joking fun term that people use for me is like, I'm a gay liberty, you know, like famous in a queer space for being a part of the first all gay cast. And when there's a new person that raises through the ranks of whatever fame and, and they talk to me like, what, what, how can I be a better supporter? I just came out. I have this visibility. I'm like, listen, right now you've got the golden microphone. You have the platform. I, you've got the millions of followers. I don't. Now it's your responsibility. If you really want to impact real change to let your followers know where you stand, you know, and show them your heart and your empathy for, for the issues that matter most to you, you know, not just with your identity, but with all people who have, you know, voices that are not being heard. So let's talk about this for a second. So, um, and, and I think it's going to be a term we're going to kind of coin and maybe find more of. More, find more stories of this. What do you think about like um, social media letdown? Meaning when you see friends and family members posting things that really let you down based on the current Black Lives Matter stuff and how you're managing that? I feel disappointed sometimes. And then like, you know, one of the things that uh, Brian Holt, our program director, used to say um, that I see both sides of a story and that that's helpful for a listener. And so in those instances, I can't help but think, what happened in your journey where you either blocked out the voices that were crying for help or never got educated enough because it made you uncomfortable that would make you see this movement in a negative way? You know, I mean, I think for me, I'm like, where's the education going to come in? Because I feel like I now granted, I will say this. I probably know more about like the Holocaust than I do about, you know, 
the African-American experience as it was taught to me in, in school. I've had to learn about that as a grown-up and putting myself in spaces around people who were sharing truths and sharing their experiences and sharing their history with me. But if I look at these people spewing kind of these, and to me feels like ignorant comments or uneducated comments on these issues, I'm like, where are you going to learn? Where, who, who, where are you? If you're watching programs and, you know, like Fox News or whatever, that might slant your ear in a certain direction and you have no exposure to any other kind of knowledge, then we stay in this kind of like crazy uh, hamster wheel of like, you know, people really spewing this to me what feels like hatred. Okay, let's take a quick break. Let's, let's put a pause on that note. And when we come back, we'll, we'll go further with that. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. We have a lot more coming up. Stay tuned. This is Dr. Chris, and you're listening to Loveline. All right, we're back, and we're talking to Mr. Jay Rodriguez. And before the break, we were just talking about people letting you down and learning more about individuals in this current moment based on what they're posting or how they're discussing what's being posted. And you were saying we need to kind of look at both sides and, and also pointing out that some people get their news that comes very much from a specific angle and that angle only. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, I'm, this is not to say that that negates my anger, my frustration, my disappointment in people, especially in people of power. Yeah. If you are not feeling the outrage and pain that uh, an entire community is cr crying out for generations um, right now, and you're only seeing a, a slanted point of view of it, that's on you. And I think part of what is so frustrating uh, for me to sit in the middle of it is, is to kind of have, A, the disappointment of people not saying anything, B, the people saying the bare minimum because it's, you know, the cool thing to do at the moment, it's in vogue. And then the last piece of that for me is, I, I, just listen, you don't have to always like, post you disagree take a breath take a moment to listen why why so many people are feeling outraged pain and frustration i had to go through this with a family member you know because they they're they watch liberal news and again i'm i'm a radical so i'm i i'm in a different place than liberalism because it doesn't go far enough and i think a lot of liberalism is about keeping some of these problematic things in place but we'll just make changes inside and it's like no yeah we start all that's, over that's never felt more true than than right now seeing some of the posts we we're referencing from both sides you're oh, like oh well i love how radicalized everyone's being because that's really what i think is needed but that, that but my point being was so one of my family members is a liberal which for some people is like as great as it can get but again right, radical right. Better, but nonetheless and their their perspective was just constantly centered around looting and the, protecting the police and i was like have you not seen so i had to keep sending the videos of the police brutality and the victimization of peaceful protesting. And they, ha my, this family member had not seen that because they were watching a certain kind of news that didn't highlight that perspective and how that is happening. Let me share something with you that's personal, but I asked before I was allowed to share this. I had a family member raped by a police officer. Who was she going to turn to? Yep. Who, who? You cannot go, you have to understand that you can't just say, well, you know, there's bad eggs in every bunch. What if I said that about pilots? Hey, listen, uh, some of these pilots over here, they might crash the planes, but uh, here you go. You know what I mean? There are certain, there are certain professions where you can't have any bad eggs. And when you're, when your oppressor is the person that's meant to protect you, can you imagine how an entire, I have got pulled over twice uh, in my three times in my lifetime, one of which you were in the car and I got off because of TV privilege. The second time I was with a African-American, I was on a date actually in Santa Monica. I was an African-American man who was a TV producer, pretty established. And we were on a date and he got pulled over for honestly no reason. To this day, I don't even know. It was one of the most 
traumatic experiences of my entire existence, being with this affluent um, kind of big deal producer and seeing him so petrified and doing all the things, hands mm. on the steering wheel, keys on the top of the car, the things that his mother had to teach him that mm. white children do not have to learn. It was the most traumatic thing. And to like, we couldn't, we had to stop. Like we couldn't continue, we were going to have dinner. We couldn't, we had to sit and process it. They took my ID. I, he was like, if they, he, he in the moment was like, if they ask me to step out of the car, I need you to call this number. Like it was you're, the most wild that, thing. That was the most beautiful embodied example of trauma being triggered and being re then re-traumatized. Like just the perpetual cycle of having traumas triggered every time you're trying to encounter this force that you've had a store historical issue with. And then it's just perpetuated and reinforced by what we're seeing. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of, again, new psychological syndromes come out of that. But all right, so we got to go. But next time we have you on, I want to talk oh. about representation at pride and also whether or not to be in attendance oh my god you know i can go in on that topic and i will say to those who've been listening to this conversation thank you for staying with us and not tuning this conversation out i know sometimes it's really hard to listen to things that feel like new information and might you might get in your feelings